this word this morning. Let the Logos and the Rhema come together. Father God, I am just an earthen vessel, and I am praying today that you will use me. Not to build me up, Father God, not at all, but to build up you and this church. And Father, we'll give you praise in Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now, I think that Harold set this up for my brother. <laughs> that wasn't right. Lonnie, Lonnie don't look at it anyway, so we're fine. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And we're going to start with about the 13th verse. And I want to preach to you this morning the best I can, able to, about the coming of the Lord. Because we don't preach it enough. And we need to hear more about it, about the coming of the Lord. We don't hear much preaching anymore about the rapture. But I am under conviction that the rapture is closer to us than what we think. And the prophetic of God's word is being fulfilled. So I was sitting in my office and I felt the Lord speak to me to preach about this. And so I went in and I said to Doris, I said, Sunday morning coming, I'm going to preach about the rapture of the church. And she said, I was just writing that in the bulletin. Because God is moving today. And so I want to read to you some scripture and then just talk about it a little bit. Because there should be an anxiousness in us who wants to see the coming of the Lord. And here's what we need to understand. The rapture of the church and the second coming of Jesus Christ are two different events. And the rapture is going to, be, is going to take place in the air. And the second coming is when Jesus comes to establish his kingdom on this earth and rule for 1,000 years. That's the second coming. But before that takes place, there is a rapture that's going to take place in the church. And I am so amazed as I read these words about the rapture of the church, how we can take these words and twist them and turn them around when to my, I feel that the writer here who is Paul has been very explicit that we should know about the rapture of the church. Now, there are some people who believe in pre-tribulation rapture. I'm one of those. There are some who believe in mid-tribulation rapture. And then there are some who believe in post-tribulation rapture. Now, there's some, some validity to maybe mid-tribulation rapture. But there is no validity whatsoever to post-tribulation rapture. I want you to understand that. Because at the end of the tribulation period, 
Jesus Christ himself is coming back the second time and he's going to set up his kingdom and he's going to rule for 1,000 years. That's a different message. We'll teach that some other time. But this is where we're at. So all of the, the uh, scriptures pertaining to the second coming of the Lord, the second coming, not the rapture, have almost been fulfilled. There are a few yet that aren't fulfilled, but all of the scripture pertaining to the rapture of the church has been fulfilled. And so the Bible, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, he said, now when the gospel of the kingdom has been preached to the, the whole earth or the four corners of the world, he said, then the end of that age or the end of the age will come. Now, listen, the gospel of the kingdom, there's a difference when we talk about the gospel and the gospel of the kingdom. And he said, the gospel of the kingdom. When you go to church, everybody in church, and maybe even in this church, does not live in the kingdom. I want you to understand that. Because the kingdom of God are those who are truly born again. The kingdom of God are those who have been baptized in his Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is those who believe this Bible from Genesis all the way through to this 22nd chapter of Revelation that believe it all. Now, Paul says in, in 2 Timothy verse one, uh, uh, chapter 3 and verse 5, he said that he said, in these perilous times that are coming, he said, there will be a form of godliness. He said, they will have a form of godliness, but they will deny the power thereof. And so we have adopted many different types of doctrines. First of all, we have adopted uh, the, the uh, doctrine of universal theology. Let me tell you something. The, un the doctrine of universal theology is the doctrines of demons. Does, do you all hear that? Listen, there's an altar here, if you're not saved and born again, that you can come and fall on your face at the feet of Jesus and give your heart to him. Because listen, the only way you will get to heaven is through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is true that he died for all men, but the only way to get to heaven is to come to him, repent, acknowledge him as your personal savior. Listen to me. Just because Jesus died on the cross doesn't make you saved. So that's a doctrine that is told and it's a form of godliness. Then when we've taken so many things out of the word of God, and we're not going to pertain to those today, it takes too much time, but we've taken so much out of the word of God that we have a form of godliness. And here's what's interesting. They'll have a form of godliness, then they'll start to deny that power that they have created. How many of you understand that? But listen, here's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the rapture of the church. Now, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting with verse 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brother, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. Does anybody's translation have ignorant? Okay, listen, when he's saying, I don't want you to be ignorant, he's, he's saying, he's not saying you're a moron, and he's not saying you're stupid. He's saying, but you might be ignorant in the fact 
about the coming of the Lord. That's what he's saying. Or he, when he says uninformed, he's also saying, you might not have the information that I am about to give you for the rapture of the church. Now listen to what he says. He says, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and that's going to be important in just a few minutes, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall all Always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, let me tell you what Paul did here. He he explicitly told us about Jesus Christ coming and the church being snatched away. He he explicitly said that. Now, isn't it amazing? Does or it's amazing to me that we need a commentary to explain that to us. You don't need a commentary. For that to be explained. But what you do need is that to be preached. And brought to your remembrance. To my remembrance. Because we are on the verge of something something happening that is spectacular. And victorious for us. Now listen, you should have a burden for your family. You should have a burden for every single member of your family that is lost. You should have a burden for your friends. There is a burden that should be deep down inside of us for our country. There's a burden that should be deep down inside of us for missionaries who are on the, in the mission fields. These burdens, we, we say we need time to see them fulfilled. And so there was a song that we used to sing a long time ago, and it was called Wait a Little Longer. Wait a Little Longer. Yeah, and and we would say, wait a little longer. How many of you have loved ones that if Jesus was to come right now, that they might have to go through that tribulation period? And we have those. So listen, so the Bible teaches us something. Here's what it teaches us in the book of Hebrews. He says, today is the day of salvation. So if you and I both know that we have loved ones who are not in the ark of safety or in Jesus, wouldn't you think today would be a great day to get a hold of them? That today would be a great day to start praying for them? Today would be a great day to open up the avenues that God has for us so that we we would see them born again because listening, listen, there is a rapture, Paul says, that's going to take place. Now in Revelation chapter 22 in verses 7, 12, and 20, listen to what Jesus says. Jesus says, behold, I come quickly. He's not coming soon. He's not coming in a little while. He's going to come as a thief in the night. That's what he said about himself. And he is coming quickly. He is going to come when you do not expect it. There are ten virgins. There are five wise and five foolish. Now listen to me when I say this. 
If it says 10 virgins, then what it's saying is there are 10 women who have not been defiled by man who are unmarried women and are pure. How many of you understand that? So you can have five pure women who are ignorant and then five pure women who are wise because what was told to them was I, by the bridegroom, I am giving you a lamp Keep that lamp trimmed and burning because I don't know what time I am going to come and receive you unto myself. So he gave them the resources to be able to keep that lamp trimmed and keep that lamp, lamp burning. But listen, what happened? They went to sleep. Do you understand them going to sleep was not a sin? We need sleep. What was the problem was they went to sleep not ready. And God doesn't want us to go to sleep not being ready. How many of you got that? When you lay down at night, be ready that Jesus Christ might come while you're still sleeping. And he will give you notice. How do you know that he's going to give you notice? Because there is a trumpet that will blow. And when that trumpet blows, it's going to hit the human ears of those who are born again. In Revelation 22, 7, 12, and 20 says, Behold, I come quickly. Now, in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 10, and this is my chapter. This is, this is my verse. I love this. This is the church of Philadelphia. Listen to what he says. Because you have kept the word of my perseverance, I also will keep you from the hour of testing. I like that. That hour that is about to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell upon the earth. And man, I'm saying praise God. I am going to live for him. I want, I'm going to do what he's called me to do because there is a trial that is about to come upon this world. But listen to what he says. He said, I will deliver you from that hour. Listen, we are not yet living in the seven-year tribulation, but we are right at the door of that to start and take place. There is already a person, a person who is already an antichrist and he is already established in this world somewhere and the nations of the world will come together and when the nations of the world come together to form one government then there will only have to be one man who is going to oversee this whole thing and the devil himself will give this one man all his authority all his power to deceive the people and to deceive the nations and we are right there at the threshold of this thing if you will look at what's happening to the governments, not just in the United States, but the governments around the world, especially in Europe, they are getting ready for a one, one person to take over this world. And, and you might not like hearing this, but this is truth. And when this one person takes over, then we are going to be ushered into a tribulation period that has never, ever been known to man. Now, here's what you need to understand. Every age has had its tribulation. 
Every age has had its tribulation. When, when, when Christians are being martyred and when Christians are being killed, every single age. What's the difference between this age? One man will control the whole universe. One man will control the whole globe. And this persecution will be all over the world all at one time with one man in control. So before this happens, Jesus says in Revelation chapter 3, verse 10, write it down. Because you have have kept the word of my perseverance. You need to persevere. I also will keep you from the hour of testing. Thank you, Lord. That's what he said. That hour that is about to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell upon the earth. Verse 11, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have in order that no one take your crown. Listen, there are people that are sleeping Christ and you might be one of them. And I'm talking about those who are not awake to hear when Jesus Christ comes. You might be one of those. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I like this. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed about those who are asleep. Don't you like that word asleep? How many of you here by an uplifted hand can say, I have loved ones that have died and went to heaven? When they died and went to heaven, I'm going to tell you, their soul and their spirit went right to God. Praise the name of the Lord, but their body didn't. And one day, listen, when God proclaims to his son, go get my children, then that body that's in that grave, which is a sleep, is going to come up out of the grave and is going to rise into the natural atmosphere and is going to meet the Lord in the air. And body, soul, and spirit will come together. In Romans chapter 8, the Bible, and, and I can't remember the verse, but I think it's around the 16th verse. Listen to what it says. It says, and creation itself anxiously waits for the revelation of the sons of God, that's you, for the revelation of the sons of God to be taken out of here. And why is that? Because the earth itself is held in captivity of sin from the old Adamic nature. How many of you know that? And the apostle Peter said, and this old earth will melt away. And listen to what he says. This old earth is going to melt away and there will be a new heaven and there will be a new earth. And I look at that. Listen, what's going to happen on this earth? This, this mother earth itself, the one that we're standing on right now, wants to throw off the sin that has it bound. And listen to what it wants. It wants God to glorify it. Do you know one day that we're going to be walking in a world that is glorified praise the name of the Lord not only is my body going to be glorified and I live with the Lord but the old earth itself will be a new earth and it will have the glory of God all around it Woo! you can't have a new glorified body and live in sin right so you got to have a new earth too does that make sense to anybody sure makes sense to me I like this I might get excited today, and you might say, he really is a Pentecostal preacher. Who knows? Now, listen, look at verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. How many of you believe that Jesus died and rose again? 
You believe that? Hey, listen to this. Do you know it, don't, it does not talk about you and I dying? It talks about you and I going to sleep. But it says Jesus died and rose again. It doesn't say Jesus went to sleep. It says Jesus died. And here's what he says. Listen to what he's saying. He's saying Jesus Christ went to the cross for you. Not only that he would forgive your sin and cover your sins by the blood. Listen to what he's saying. And he took upon himself death and he was the last man to fill death for the church. No one in the church of the living God will ever feel death. Death will come and death will take you. But Jesus took the pain he took the horribleness of death. Listen, let me tell you what happened. Jesus died. And when Jesus died, he went into the center part of the earth. And when he went into the lower parts of the earth, the Bible said those who were in paradise, he set them free. Everyone who died and went to paradise felt the sting of death. Everyone. And so then, then he goes over to another place, and, and there they are. It's called Hades. And he condemns them to an eternal hell. And then there's another compartment, and it's all by itself. And in that compartment, it's called Tarsius. And there is the fallen angels, and he's going to condemn them. And they're going to be cast into the lake of fire, which is called the second death. How many of you understand that? But those people in paradise, Jesus died as those people in paradise died. And so what he did, he took the sting of death upon himself so that no one after him is ever going to feel it again. Man, those who die in Jesus are never going to feel again what every single person felt when they went into paradise. And what did he do? Listen to what he did. He went there and he said, I am taking you out of this place. And he led the captive captive, which means he took those people who were captive in paradise and he raised them up out of there and he took them into heaven and then he came back to this earth and when he came back to this earth he has given you and I a promise and you know what it is we will go to sleep we will not die and you need to rejoice over that if that don't make you shout I don't know it'll make you shout but we, listen we're not going to die we're going to live forever for if we believe that Jesus died Jesus died took on death that we all deserve he took on death that we all deserve every single one of us in this church deserves to die but the son of god man they were singing worthy worthy is the lamb and john said i looked around and he said there was a book with seven seals on it and said no one was able to open that book and he said they looked all through heaven they looked all through earth. They looked under the sea. No one was able to open the seals of that book. And John said, I started to weep because there was no one able. And an angel came to him and said, don't weep. He said, there is one who is from the, the, the tribe of Judah. He said, he is the lion of God. And he is able to open up the seals. Listen to me. This one is Jesus Christ. And when he died on the cross, he give you and I life. Listen to me. That life he give to us is on this earth. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What a life I have here. Are you ready for this? 
but what a life I'm going to have when he takes me out of here. What a life I'm going to have when he takes me out of here. And you know what? All of us got gray hair. We're shouting. And the reason why we're shouting, because we're near, we know that. You young people don't think you are. You're nearer than what you think you are. But listen, we're ready. We're ready. And another thing is, isn't it going to be a great day? Isn't it that going to be a great day? It's nothing to be afraid of. It's, one, it's the greatest day that's ever going to take place with Christians. Let me go on. I'm just going on, and, and I don't want to, to babble. Paul teaches us that we'll not die, that we'll go to sleep. But with Jesus, Paul doesn't say that. He teaches us that Jesus Christ died in this body for a reason, because he is the last one to feel death. Jesus took upon himself to be the last human being to take death or the last human being of the church of God, those who are saved. His death was horrible. His death was painful. His death was terrible. And you're not going to feel that. The saved just fall asleep in Jesus. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Now, we have to believe that Jesus died and rose again. We came out of the grave. He came out of the grave, just like we're coming out of the grave. But listen to what? He came out of the grave never to die again. He's going to bring you out of the grave never to die again. Listen, when you go to a funeral and you know that somebody's not saved, you mourn for them. Don't you? You go to a funeral, somebody's not saved, you mourn for them. Right? But when a Christian goes, we mourn for ourselves. <laughs> it is. Well, John back there, he... He's a mortician. He saw a lot more death than what I ever care to see. But you can tell, can't you, John? You can tell, man, when, when one dies that's not saved, you mourn. Oh, my. It's pain. But when one dies that's saved, you mourn for yourself because you know what? You got left behind. And you're thinking there's a day coming. There's a day coming. You, you, you know what I like about the old hymns? Here's what I like about the old hymns. We don't sing about things like we used to. You know, we shall see the king. We shall see the king. We shall see the king when he comes. He's coming in power. Oh, hail the blessed hour. We shall see the king when he comes. We don't sing them no more. You have heard a little Moses in the bulrush. You have heard a fearless David and his sling. You have heard the story told of dreaming Joseph and of Jonah and the well we often sing. There are many, many others in the Bible. I would like to meet them all I do declare. By and by, the Lord will surely let us meet them. Listen, in that meeting in the air. For there is going to be a meeting in the air. In the sweet, sweet by and by. I'm not going to sing it all because I'll get off track. Listen, there's a meeting that's taking place. And we used to sing about that. And we used to shout about that, my sister-in-law. When I was my dad's uh, 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 worship leader, my sister-in-law's grandmother would sit where uh, Pastor Don's sitting about like that. And, and uh, we didn't have church unless she stood up and danced and, and carried on. And so, you know, I, 
I'm, I'm, I'm his worship leader, and, and I'm looking at the church, and I'm thinking, we're not having church yet because she's not dancing. And I'd sing till she danced. Do you understand that? I'd sing till she moved out of that chair. Old Smith Wigglesworth said, I come into a place, and the Spirit's not moving. He said, I'll move the Spirit. How many of you know when you start thinking about the meeting in the air, when you start thinking about Jesus Christ taking us out of this place, when we start thinking, about all of our friends and our loved ones one day that there is a gathering like we've never seen before it'll make you come out of your chair it'll make you shout it'll make you want to say amen hallelujah it'll make you want to praise the Lord Jesus Christ the same yesterday today and forever so if that be the case he's still the same God today verse 15 for this we say by the word of the Lord that's the Logos and the Rhema. This word right here is my Logos, and the Rhemas will come down from heaven, and they come and they interact together, and all of a sudden, and I do this too, and I say, oh, Lord God, I lay my hand on the word, on the word here, and I reach it up to heaven, and I say, oh, God, let what I'm about to speak be what you have taught in this Bible. Then I lay my hand on the Bible, and I lay my hand on the sermon, and I say, oh, God, let them be the same thing, and get me out of the way. How many of you know? we just need to get out of the way because listen to what it says this is the logos this is the 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 rhema of god for this we say by the word of the lord by the logos by the rhema in second peter 1 4 he said they are magnificent precious promises and i'm telling you something god has given us promises rejoice in the fact that christ died rose again and listen that you have life now and you have it abundant on this earth and you'll have it more abundantly even in heaven it's a wonderful thing i'm showing my true colors this morning for this we say by the word of the lord in first corinthians chapter 15 51 through 55 we shall not all sleep but we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, at the last message, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. And listen to what it says. It says, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? There is no sting. And you know why? Because the sting is sin. And the, and the Bible teaches us that we have been forgiven of our sin. I like, I like Hebrews 10. 17 and 18 listen to what it says it says this for our sins and our lawless deeds he will remember no more for where there are forgiveness of these things there is no more a need for a sacrifice because he sacrificed himself one time and one time only for all time for all time. Man, when I got a hold of that revelation, man, I started shouting. I started singing praises, and I got a hold of that while well, I'm still a preacher. I'm walking out of church, and we had just had a great campaign. God did some things, and, and the Lord just challenged me. He said, you don't know nothing about my grace. That's what the Lord told me, and I'd been preaching for some time. He said, you don't know nothing about my grace. And I said, well, Lord, what do I do? He said, I want you to go back to school. I said, well, you picked the school. He said, I already have. It's called the Bible. Go back and look at that. Listen to me. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. He died on the cross for me. 
and for you. And when I received him as my personal savior, he washed my sin away. And I became white and I became pure before the father. Somebody say amen to that. And when the father now sees me, he sees the blood of his son. Listen to me what he sees. He sees no sin whatsoever in me. He sees somebody that is pure, somebody that is cleansed, somebody that has no spot, has no wrinkle. I know you know me and you're having a hard time with that, but you don't see me the same way God sees me. Amen. And that's what he sees me. And listen, you know what? My sister Harold's mom passed away. Al Bros, when Al Bros passed away, that, that touched my heart. Him and I went all the way through school together. And I still think about it, still pains me. Okay, but one day, one day, one day, one day, Dorsey, you're going to see him again. My goodness, Karen, you're going to see him again. One day, there's a trumpet that's going to sound, and the dead in Christ are going to be quickened in that grave. And their bodies are going to come up out of that grave, out of that tomb. Those who have been cremated all going to come back together. Those who have died in the sea are all going to come back together. It's amazing. And what's going to take place is they are going to come up out of that grave. Listen to me. When Jesus saved me, he took away the sting of death. You know why? Because the sting of death is sin. He forgave my sin and made me pure before the Father. And all the Father wants from me is to come home. Praise the name of the Lord. Come home. That's what he wants from you. He's going to call us one of these days. For this we say by the word of the Lord. Let me read 1 Peter 1.4. For by these he has granted us his precious and magnificent promises. In order that by them you might become partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Listen to me. The divine promises of God are wonderful and significant. Listen to me. That we who are alive. You know who we is? Is that right? We is. I don't think that's right. We is plural and is a singular. Hey, I got it. I got it, people. I got them over here. Correct me right there. It's always the right side. Okay. We are. We are who are alive. You see, the Bible teaches us who are they that are alive? Those who are born again. Those who are born again. If you're not born again, hey, listen to me. You going to church? That's good. You need to go to church. But that doesn't get you saved. You be good and moral? That's good. You need to be good and moral. Don't get you saved. There's going to be a lot of people in heaven you don't like. So you better start liking them now. Okay? Because you might not get to go. Wouldn't that be awful? You know, I know there's a lot of you don't like Tom Heath. I can understand that. He's my prayer partner. I've been around him too long. I'm just teasing. Okay. You like that, huh? (laughs) But hey, listen. We. And he's talking about us who are 
born again. He says to Nicodemus in John chapter 3 and verse 3, he said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. That's good. He said, you must be born again to see the kingdom of God. Remember the kingdom of God. What's the kingdom of God? Redemption, healing, deliverance, and resurrection. That's the kingdom of God. That's what's being preached around the world. Okay? And so he says, Nicodemus, he said, you must be born again to see the kingdom of God. Now listen to what he says in verse in verse 5 he says Nicodemus you must be born of water and of the spirit in order to enter into the kingdom of God see there's one thing about seeing the kingdom and then there's another thing about entering into the kingdom how many of you have actually entered into the kingdom have been washed by the water and by 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 the spirit listen to me this is what he says he said you got to not only see the kingdom but you want to enter into the kingdom and you know how you know you've entered into the kingdom when all of a sudden the unction of the Holy Spirit starts to develop inside of you and all of a sudden you just come up to a kid who stands that tall and lay your hands on him and say in the name of Jesus start growing stand up now look at that you didn't sit down now he did say it would have been nice if you did that while I was still in high school you know but you can do that call the kingdom of God the kingdom of God is when the Holy Spirit comes all over you and the unction of God is inside of you and he starts to say, speak for me. How many of you know we have the mouth for the Lord? He says, speak for me. It's called the unction. And through us speaking, listen, people get saved. People get healed. And people get delivered. And through the speaking of the word, it encourages us to hold on because one day we're going to live with the Lord. Somebody say amen to that. For he says this, he says, I like this, that we who are alive and remain, those who are born again, until the coming of the Lord. See, there will always be saints of God till Jesus comes. There's always going to be a church till Jesus comes. The church is not going to be wiped away, and the church is going to become stronger every day. There will always be a, a church till Jesus comes. There will always be a people from God. And every single age has expected Christ to return in the rapture. Every single age has. So what's different about this age? In their age, the scriptures weren't fulfilled. You get a hold of that? In their age, the scriptures weren't fulfilled. In their age, there was no way one person's going to control the whole world. In their age. But now in our age, all of this has taken place. And the scriptures have been fulfilled for the rapture of the church to take place. You know what holds you on this ground? Gravity. And that word rapture is, not, I know, it's not found in the Bible, but catching away and snatching away is, and it's the same word. And listen to what it's going to do. And you're going to be taken by force. The Bible says you're going to be taken by force. And why? Because it's going to defy gravity. It's going to defy gravity. He's going to take you up by force. I'm not going to get through this if I don't get back here behind this. And so the Lord himself, or the Lord himself, 
Well, let me get this. And it shall not precede those who have gone before us or who have fallen asleep because they're going to rise up from the dead. For the Lord himself, Jesus himself, not an angel, not the captain of the host, not an apostle, not a prophet, Jesus himself. For the Lord himself would descend from heaven with a shout. He's going to shout with the shout. He's going to have an authoritative voice. It's going to be the voice of the archangel. And the voice of the archangel, the Bible says, if you ever read Revelation, it says that when God utters his voice, it says it moves mountains and the islands fly, uh, just flee away. That's the authoritative voice of the Lord. And when God comes, he is going to come with a voice that's never been heard on planet earth before i read in revelation about the seven thunders the voice of the seven thunders and john said i was about to write them down and and the lord said don't write those down he said you can write everything else but don't don't write down what the voice of the seven thunders say and we don't know what they say but wouldn't that be something if that was the voice of the rapture wouldn't that be something? Because let me tell you something about that voice. The voice of God will be so tremendous and have so much authority that the earth itself is going to just stand at attention when God speaks. The Bible says, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. This shout, this voice that moves mountains, and then this voice is going to be so loud, it will raise the dead. He will shout the voice of the archangel with the trumpet of God. This will not be secretive. And here, here's something that's really interesting about the rapture when it takes place. It's not going to be secret, by the way. It's not going to be something that's just going to take place and nobody's going to know. You want to know the truth? The whole world's going to know. The whole world's going to know. Now, I'm telling you, when old Paul met the, met the Lord on the Damascus Road, God spoke to that guy, and they all heard it. They didn't know what God said, but Paul knew what he said. Let me tell you something. When God utters his voice, the whole world is going to stand at attention. And when God utters his voice, this thing's not going to be done in secrecy. This thing is not going to be done in a corner. It's going to be done wide open. God is going to utter his voice now listen how he's going to utter his voice in three ways he's going to shout he's going to have the voice of the archangel and he's going to blow the trumpet of God let me tell you something when that trumpet of God blows it's not a trumpet that's going to call us to war it's a trumpet that's going to call us home somebody say amen and when that old trumpet blasts and God's voice booms out of the the heavens itself let me tell you something this old earth is going to wake up and she's going to say it's time it's time it's happening earth itself says the, the the prophecies of God have taken place listen to what the earth is going to say the earth is going to say it is time God is about to do what he said he was going to do and the earth itself is going to stand at attention and all of a sudden when these three things happen the dead in Christ are coming up out of these graves and they are going to be in the air and the Bible says we who are alive and remain shall meet them in the air how do you get any more explicit than that meet them in the air I love this I'm about done <laughs> maybe shout of the archangel in, in, in Romans 18 19 the earth can't wait for this day 
because it's going to be set free. In Joel 2, verse 11, the Lord utters his voice before his army. In Revelation 4, 1, then it says, the first voice which I had heard was like the sound of a trumpet speaking to me. God is moving, and when God moves, he's going to move everything. This is not going to be secret. People will know, they will hear, listen, and they know that they will be left behind. The Lord will utter his voice. It will raise the dead. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then the Bible says, then we who are alive and remain. Wow. We're going to be caught up. I like this word. We're going to be caught up by force. We're going to be pulled up from gravity. We're going to be snatched away. The, the uh, one part of, of the Greek says this. It says it, that, that this, this force is going to seize us and it's just going to rip us up out of this earth. And we are going to go fast into, in, into the heavens together with them in the clouds. Let me tell you something. When Jesus comes in, in with the clouds, listen, he's coming. I mean, he's coming in clouds in the rapture, but when, when he comes back the second time, he's coming with the clouds, and the clouds is people. He's going to come back. So when Jesus comes back at the second coming, guess who's coming with him? Raise your hand. <laughs> raise your hand. You can't raise your hand if you're not saved. Man, every hand here should be waving. When he comes the second time, Man, I'm tell you when he's coming the second time. The Bible says he come with an army. I, oh yeah, riding white horses. Can can I just indulge for a few more minutes? I, I like this. The Battle of Armageddon. The the the, the, the kings of the earth are going to come into Megiddo Valley for a, for a battle, and that battle is going to be against the Jesus Christ. Do, do you know? Do you, I bet I bet you don't know this. But do you know that all the major newspapers in the world already have the heading of the rapture? They got it in their archives. They're just waiting for when it happens. They want the first scoop. You didn't know that? That is true. Look it up. Google it. You'll find out I'm right. So, so what happens is, is that, that all the armies of the world are going to face Jesus and, that, and, and they're going to meet in a valley called the Megiddo Valley because it's the only valley big enough for all the armies of the world to come to. And there's going to be about 200 million soldiers. And you know how long that battle is going to take? Jesus coming with the sword of his mouth. And that battle is going to go just like that. Whew. And then the devil... Is going, then, then, the, then the Antichrist and the false prophets are going to be thrown in the abyss. But not the devil. A, a, an angel is going to come and going to put a chain around his neck. And we who have been raptured out, we're going to get to watch it. <laughs> now that ought to make you want to dance. Now come on, people, stay with me. Don't go to sleep. You're none of you Methodists no more. Okay, so he, he's going to take he's going to take the beast and the false prophet. He's going to throw them in the abyss, but not the devil. No, no. The, uh, an angel's coming from heaven, and he's going to put a chain around that old boy, and he's going to drop him in the abyss. 
And then he's going to loose, he's going to be there for a thousand years. And then all the dead in Christ that had been martyred for the Lord with their heads cut off and things like that, which is another story, are, are going to reign with Christ for a thousand years. That's better, right? Going to reign with him for a thousand years. And then the devil's going to be loosed for a season. And in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus talks about nations. Now, he says that he's going to set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left hand. And they are nations. So you're going to have sheep nations and goat nations. And we kind of get that context wrong when we said, and God will separate the, 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 uh, the uh, sheep and the goats. Now listen, and so when, when the devil is loosed for a little while, and that's called Gog and Magog, when the devil's loose, is this okay? When the devil's loose for a little while, he's going to let that old boy out of that prison of the abyss, and he's going to get all the armies of the world, and one more time they're going to come against the saints of God, and they're going to come against Jerusalem, the city of God. And God's going to go, woof, just like that. And you're going to take that devil. He's going to throw him in the bottomless pit forever and ever. Isn't that something? Now, here's what I want you to know. We're going to get to see it all. Somebody say amen besides her. We're going to get to see it all. I can't wait to see that angel take the devil and chain him and throw him in. All right, now let's, let's get to going here. He said, then we who are alive and remain will be caught up with them in the clouds. Saints caught up to meet those who have went to sleep in the Lord. We'll all be united together. We'll all be awake to meet the Lord in the air. This meeting, Jesus in the air, and, and, and when he comes to uh, and when he comes and meets us, then guess where we get to go? Anybody know where we're going to get to go? We're going to go to heaven. And now, listen to this. I want you to hear this if you don't hear anything. This is not symbolism. This is not an analogy. This is literal. It's not symbolism. It's not an analogy. It's not a parable. It is literal. This is going to happen. And the Bible says, thus we shall always be with the Lord. Death can't break our unity with Jesus. The unity with the Lord shall be forever and forever. Verse 18. Now listen to what he says. He says, therefore comfort one another with these words. Listen, don't, don't take comfort give comfort. Listen to what he says. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So when you have a, a, someone who has passed away and, and they're close to you and, and you, you want to comfort each other, I, you can comfort yourself through the word if you want to, but you know what? We got widows in this church. And, and listen, if you're a widow, raise your hand. Look at this, people. Listen, they need comfort. They need comfort. So how are you going to comfort a widow? Tell them, say, hey, one day, old Rick coming out of the grave. <laughs> one day, old Doc coming out of there. One day, 
He's skips coming out. Wow. One day. One day my mama's coming out of the grave. My daddy's coming out of the grave. Here's the best part. One day my sister's coming up out of that grave. My sister is broken because her son passed away uh, about a year and a half ago. Oh, it would be two years ago at the age of 50. Just had a heart attack and passed away. And she's broken. But one day. So what's, what, what do I, what do I need to do? I need to just come up to Sherry and say, oh, Sherry, one day, old Rick coming out of that grave. Just need to say that one day, Elaine, I'll coming up out of that grave. One day, Henry coming up out of that grave, old Lee coming out of that grave. One day. He says, comfort one another because sorrow gets in our way. And, and, and understand something. You say, well, we shouldn't be sorrowful. Well, then why did God give us sorrow? You shouldn't cry. You should be happy. Well, why did he give us tears? And why does it say that God's going to wipe away all tears? Why does it say that? Because we're human beings. So what's going to comfort me? Come up to me and say, oh, one day. What? Stand up with me because if you don't, we're going into a new sermon. One day, one day, listen to what he says, therefore comfort one another with these words. What words? The words of the rapture, 1 Thessalonians 5, 2, for you yourselves know full well, that's what he says, no misgivings, for you yourself know full well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Let me tell you what the thief in the night means. That means judgment. Anytime that you read when it says the Lord will come like a thief in the night, that's judgment. The Bible teaches us to be awake, to be sober, to be awake. Now listen, you might be grieving, and that's okay. Because if you don't get to grieve right, then you don't get to heal right. So you need to. God takes people home. He does that. God takes them home. You say, I wished it was me. Well, if it was supposed to have been you, he would have took you. But he didn't. But he says, comfort one another. And if you do, it'll comfort you. It makes me shout. I'm excited about what's to take place. I'm excited for this church, our radio program. I'm excited for it, but I'm excited for you. I'm excited for me. I'm excited of the days that are about to come. You say, oh, they look black and they look dark. Good, then we need light. Let's bring the light of God. Because one day, my friend, Jesus is coming. He's coming quickly. When he comes, will you be ready? That's the question. When he comes, will you be ready? And then let me ask you this too. When he comes, will you be full of remorse that you didn't do what he asked you to do? And let me put another question to you. Are you fearful about the coming of the Lord? Because if you are, there could be a reason for that. But don't be. 